0: From Richard Flint Webinars, this is a special edition at war with a silent enemy, the coronavirus. Right now, Richard wants you to set your mind to one key word, and that key word is hope. Here's Richard to explain. Hey, good morning, and welcome to Let's Talk Human Behavior. You know, folks, the foundation of law of life that governs this program is my philosophy that behavior never lies. I believe that the essence of truth is always defined by what one does rather than what they say. And you've lived long enough to understand this. The contradiction between what one says and what they do is the creator of the majority of confusion and stress that people face in their life. We have to understand this, words are words where behavior is definition. And today is such a challenging time for so many. They find themselves out of sync, scattered, frightened, and and wondering when is all of this new abnormal we're experiencing going to end? So what do we do? We listen to one group and they say this, then we turn and we listen to another group and they say something completely different. And the challenge becomes, who do you believe? Do these people really know what they're talking about? Or is all of this a guess? But I'm hearing and I'm sensing and I'm seeing another challenge. Is the wear and tear the stress that this is placing on people? They want to get back to living. I mean, just look at the number of protests that are going on around the country of people wanting to get back to life. They want to get back to living, but who do they listen to? They want to know it's okay to get back to their life if they've known it. But here's something that I believe. You will never have the life that was again. This time we're going through is going to change change the landscape of living. When the all clear whistle blows and it'll blow. People are not going to race out to what was. They're going to walk out into a landscape with a greater sense of caution. And and, and as much as they feel they might want to jump back in, the emotions that they've gathered during this time of this new abnormal, I really believe is going to affect how they adjust. So this is why I think it's important to understand that the now that you have now is the most important now you'll ever have. What you do with your now is critical to whom you will be when the whistle blows and we get all the all-clear signal. I mean, and this is important, what are you learning about you during this time? What are you learning about your priorities? What are you discovering about your life you don't want to go back to? This is an important classroom that we're in right now for you to learn from. This is why over the past episodes of Let's Talk Human Behavior, I've reached out to a select group of people whom I respect. These are people who have, and I believe people who are living in the lives of people they're connected to. These are people whom I feel are in touch with the essence of what people are going through right now. And today uh, my guest is Mike Horrigan. And Mike lives in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, a very, very, very neat city. And a city where 10 years ago I predicted would be one of the four cities of the future. And it's pretty well proving that. And Mike, welcome and thank you for joining us today.
1: Well, thank you, Richard. I am um delighted to be here and flattered to be here that I'm one of your 10 people you chose and hopefully I won't disappoint you.
0: Well, you I don't think you could ever really disappoint me. Uh I, I know that uh I know a lot about you, but the people who will listen or watch this uh may not know who Mike is. So Tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you? Do you know?
1: (laughs) Well, (laughs) that's, that's an interesting question. Well, probably most important is um, I'm father of uh, two wonderful kids who were out of the house and and successful. So I'm very proud of the fact that I I did a good parenting job. Um, I lost my wife about four and a half years ago. And when you talk about a major change in your life, uh, losing somebody you've been with for 32 years gives you an entirely different perspective on life. And I like to use some of the lessons that I've learned from that when I talk to people uh, about change and about stress. Uh, from a um, uh, professional point of view for uh, my, my career started, I was with uh, Cargill for about five years and then went to work for Olympus Corporation and ultimately with a company called Peach Automatic Techniques. And I ran national sales forces and hired people and put together teams and did that for about 20 years and discovered it was no longer fun. Um, I, I had the advantage of working for some great bosses and for some miserable bosses. And so when I got into the speaking business, if you will, the consulting business, I decided that really the the task I had was how do I show people what the bad is and what the good is and how do we get a positive result? So that leaves me a few years ago. And since then, I think I've done over 1,500 talks and spoken in 46 states. There's only four I haven't spoken in. I think you've spoken in them all, Richard. So I'm four states behind you. So that's kind of where I am um, right now. I am sequestered with my 95-year-old mom and um, enjoying that adventure together. You know, Mike, you said something that to
0: me is very interesting because it's something I get asked all the time, uh, that you reached a point where, where you were working was no longer where you felt you needed to be. Right. Was there a breaking point? Was there one situation or something that happened that said, I, I'm done here? I, This is not what I want for my life?
1: Um, yeah, there were a few ethical scenarios, the positions I was put in that I didn't want to be in. And when I chose not to be in those unethical situations, there was a lot of backlash. So I decided I didn't want to be where those kinds of situations were going to try to be uh, foisted on me, if you will. And, and you know, Mike, I think there are several people who find themselves in
0: those situations and they find they have to make a tough choice. And that is, do they live up to their ethical standard, or do they risk talking with the fact that it may mean they can no longer stay there? Um, And evidently, it was a place where because of your ethical standards, you could no longer stay there. Did you talk to management? Was it a tough decision
1: for you to make? Um, yeah, it, it it was a difficult um, decision to make. Um, I'd like to say that the last company I worked for was one where there was a wonderful HR department, and there were those things really didn't exist back then, and it was a consortium of unethical people. <laughs> So I just had to get the heck out, and I'm thrilled I did. <laughs> um, today, maybe, and again, one of the problems I think that that people are having um, in our situation right now is, is what size of a company you work for. A lot of people are blessed that they work for big companies with lots of resources, but um, most of the people out there don't, and that's what makes this such a uh, a challenging time for people. You, you know, uh,
0: Mike. A lot of the businesses that I deal with are, uh, you know, medium to small companies. Correct. I uh, was on the phone with this morning with a company I work with out, outside of Wichita, Kansas, and they're lucky because they uh, their business is with the railroad. And the railroad has been one of these essential. Yes. Uh, but she was talking about so many of her friends that are don't have that luxury. Correct. And what, what this is doing to them. And, uh, you know, it's sad to think that when we get to the other side of this, and we will get to the other side of this new abnormal, we just have yes. a timetable to it. That some of these businesses are not going to make it. They're not going to be around. Uh, When you talk to the clients you have and you talk to the businesses you work with or have worked with, uh, are you hearing any kind of messages from them, any kind of concerns, any challenges or struggles from them that they're talking about?
1: Um, It depends. Well, I've heard some positive things. And one is from a, uh, a, a colleague of mine. He works for a company out of Finland. And they're an interesting company, Richard, in that when they decided to close all of their offices globally, the president of their company got online and sent out a message saying, basically, we know you're human beings. We know you have husbands, wives, childrens, dogs, crazy neighbors, all of these things. And you know what? We're not going to hold that against you when you're working out of the house because we understand we can't be perfect. We also understand that a lot of you don't have home offices and we're expecting a lot out of you. So we're willing to forgive the faux pas. If your cat happens to walk across your screen, we don't have a problem with it. And um, that was then followed by a contest they had of who could be the shabbiest employee, et cetera. But what they let the employees know is, in this particular time, taking yourself too seriously, um, we don't really expect you to do. We expect you to do what you can do, and and we appreciate the challenges you're going through. Let me tell you something.
0: That to me is this is a time where uh, the real the real leader steps up. True. And uh, what I'm seeing, sensing is that this is a major, major test for leadership today of whether they are reacting or they are responding uh, to what's going on out there, this new abnormal.
1: And I think that's absolutely true. And and one of the, the problems we have with the media is media is always basically going to show us the big companies. And, you know, I know your constituency is, is companies that have, you know, two employees, 10 employees, 100 employees, and this is where the real heroes of business, the people that employ people and know their wives and kids and families or husbands um, can really be the true leaders. And unfortunately, they don't necessarily get that credit for it and and so uh, you know how that leader is handling the uncertainty how they're giving information as soon as they get it how they're highlighting you know any tips that they have to help their employees they're the ones that are going to come out even stronger at the other end some of them because of situations may not come out at all but their employees or the people that they work with i think are going to be stronger people when they do you know, one of the conversations, and I, I probably
0: last week, Mike, I probably had this conversation. I'm going to tell you probably about 15 times of talking to owners who were having to lay people off. Sure. And just you could hear the pain in their voice, of uh, just the hurt they were going through. Because when you're dealing with a small to an average size company, yes, it, it it's not really an employee. It's a, it's a family member, and when you have to lay that family member off, there are a lot of emotions that go with that, and it's really it's really challenging for these people to do that without it hurting them.
1: Well, that's, that's true, and I mean, especially when relationships have been there with people and people have come in, and, and also, you know, with small businesses, people are called to work on weekends and, you know, just answer the bell. Somebody's sick. I've got to go in there. So those relationships are, are remembered. It, it's real easy to to lay off 5,000 people you don't know. It's tougher than heck to let go five people that you have relationships with, you know, maybe one of them as a, a child with a learning disability. I mean, all of those things are part of this difficult process.
0: Yeah. And, um, you know, and the longer this goes on, the more challenging it becomes because we, we, we feel the pain that people are going through and we know, man, I want to get these people back to work. I yes. want to get my, my business back open. I want things to happen so that I can bring these people back so we can get the family back together. Yes. Do, do you sense that sometimes the uncertainty of what we're going through right now is adding to the stress of this small to average-sized business owner as to what they're going to do and what they're going to look like when it's over?
1: Well, certainly. And, and one of the reasons is financially, they don't have the deep pockets that a lot of organizations have. And there is not a definitive time of when we're going back to work. That uncertainty is, I think, one of the major stressors that people have. It's not that, okay, in two weeks, this will all be over and we go back to work. It's, well, could it be two months? You know, is it coming back again? Uh, You know, are we going to be able to turn the same profits when we only can let one person in the store? Um, How safe are my people working next to each other? What kind of PPE do I have to have for them? These These are all new decisions, Richard. These are all new issues that never happened before. So I think it's frustrating as heck to everybody, you know, even the employees that know, Hey, the boss is going to do, or the owner's going to do whatever they can possibly do for me. I know them; they're a good person. There's also, well, yeah, but what if the business goes under, how, how do we deal with that? So that uncertainty is weighing on an awful lot of people.
0: Well, and you know, I don't mean to turn this this way, but it, it really needs to be said, you know, there's, there's so many of these small businesses, average businesses, have, that have been sitting out there waiting for uh, Congress to get off their butt and do sure. something. Sure. To take this stimulus money and, and start it on the street, not give it. I mean they gave what uh ten million dollars to Harvard? Yeah. And they don't need they don't need the money. Yes. And you got the little storefront that's struggling, but they haven't gotten anything. There's something wrong whenever we say, this is for this. And then it goes over here. It goes back to who do you believe today? And I, I that's, I think the big question, who can you believe today? Uh,
1: I, I think that's difficult for everybody. And, and the problem is people want somebody to believe. I mean, I really want to latch to this is the right direction to, um, to go in. Um, as a small business owner, probably two days after it was announced that businesses were closing and and the President started coming on TV, he had mentioned a small business loan. And this is different than the uh, PPP where people are getting so much to pay salary. Um, and I applied for the loan. It was the mi- most miserable four hours of my life. Um, and the loan started, and I called in a week and a half later, and they said, "Oh, anybody who did this two weeks ago, your work is now null and void. Thanks (laughs) Thanks a lot. Now you have to fill out the easy form. And I said, well, don't I get extra credit for filling out the hard form? The the point is, um, I filled out this easy form and people aren't aware what this loan is. And I want everybody to be aware of this. There is loan money out there. Um, You can go to the Small Business Administration and you can look, there's a button you can push for coronavirus um, uh, disaster fund. What this loan is, um, is it will loan you X amount of money. You don't put in how much money you want to borrow. It will look at your information and it will get back to you with, you can qualify for X amount of money. You pick what you need. The beauty of this is that this loan, you do not have to pay anything back for a year. And once you do start to pay, you've got 30 years to pay off this loan at 3.75%. Now, granted, I'd rather have just simply a grant, but I'm a business person, and I understand that, and so I encourage people to look into that. The thing that's getting on, and that's the loans that these people have gotten the $10 million from, but they're also giving out $20,000, $100,000, $50,000 to small businesses, so don't, not take it and as a double negative. Uh, make sure that you look into this and take it. And the form now takes 20 minutes. And basically, all it really wants to know is, are you a convicted felon? Otherwise, the questions, you just snap right through them, and you've got a chance. And it took me two weeks to get the check deposited into my account. So I want everybody aware of that. Well, that is, uh, Mike, that is a valuable,
0: valuable piece of information. So go back one more time, and tell them how to find this.
1: Yeah, you will go to sba.gov, and there should be a place on there um, that says coronavirus. Now, here's the the terrible thing. As of yesterday, they were out of money, but I believe there's going to be more money to be found there. Also, there is a telephone number. You can call the SBA. And the last time I called, they said I was caller 1,700. I think I was on the phone with somebody in 12 minutes. So just put it on speakerphone and wait. And I found the people are knowledgeable. They want to help. And, you know, if you're intimidated by forms and everything else, call them. That's why they're there and they want to help.
0: That's a valuable valuable piece of information because, you know, I know so many small to average-sized companies that are just really, really, really struggling today. So I picked you as one of them.
1: Go ahead. I, I, I agree. And sometimes people just simply aren't aware that this tool does exist. And so it is there and it is designed for the small businessman like me and so many of the other people that you have uh, on this call.
0: What's interesting, uh, Mike, is that when I was sitting uh, sitting down and knowing uh, I wanted to do this series on how to maintain your sanity in the midst of all of this, because yes. I think I think the stretch the stress is huge out there. The stress today is huge, and I came up with a list of ten people that I wanted to reach out to because you ten are people that I respect very much. I know you and I have not known each other for a long, long time, but the conversations that I've had with you, the times that we've been able to sit and talk, uh, I I appreciate your mind. I appreciate the way you think, because I think you you think people uh, people first, and well, thank I think you. that's the way we have to think. And so, what I've asked each of you to do is to help people by giving them guidance uh not as much direction but guidance i think you have to have guidance before you can create direction and so what i've asked all of you to do is to come up with some some guidance uh that you can offer people and you sent me a list of six Mm -hmm. uh, that i'd really 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 like for you to to walk people through from your viewpoint and from, you know, where you are and the experiences you've had with people, what would you tell people right now? Uh, What would be your guidance for them to help them get to the other side?
1: Um, First of all, we have to recognize the, the significance of how we talk to ourselves. And one of the things that I'm seeing with people I talk to is there we're, we have the tendency to do a thing that I call stacking and that's where okay we start with one bad thing and that's not bad enough so we have to add something else to it so stacking would be okay um, I'm not getting a paycheck so that's bad well probably the company won't make it so that makes it worse okay how do I apply for unemployment that's a mess they're you know they're all mixed up that's worse Um, not getting along with my wife, we'll probably get a divorce, I mean, and we continue to build this pyramid of negative stuff, and what we have to do is give ourselves, wait a minute, stop, let's look at this um, rationally. Um, The other part of self-talk is that we have to realize I reserve the right to judge my own behavior, and um, sometimes it's awful easy in that stacking process, Richard, to um, just the end result is, I'm no good, I'm a lousy father, I'm a lousy provider, et cetera. And it's, it's a very easy path to do. So what we have to realize is that, well, first of all, I can start the day over anytime I want. okay? You know I don't have to continue um, with those thoughts. Um, I, I think the support that we give each other, uh, because there's a lot of families out there, especially family businesses, like you work with, both spouses are out of work. I mean, that was their their livelihood. And that was, you know, the way they helped mankind, whatever. So we want to be very careful that we don't stack things to the point that, um, you know, we've made it so miserable, we'll never see an end to it. Okay, what would you say next to it? Pardon me? What would be your next one? Okay, the next one, and I didn't do these in any particular order, uh, but I also have some fun things that keep people from getting cabin fever, and some of these are things that uh, neighbors have told me they're doing um, because we have a lot of people home with their kids, and that's a whole new experience and having to teach their kids, and they're not teachers. Um, One of the things uh, a friend of mine told me they do is each day, they go to a specific room in the house and that specific room in a house is a different country. So today we're going to France. And so they have printed off pictures off the uh, internet of Paris or of, you know, down on the Riviera or whatever. And they've got information about it. Uh, one of the spouses may decide to make some kind of food from that country, but for the kids and for everybody, it's, it's just something that you can get into 100% and forget the rest. Rest of the world exists. So um, that I found works pretty is is a kind of a neat thing to do. You know, Mike, I, I really like that one because uh, that that's a
0: playroom. That's where that's you true. turn every room into a playroom. And if we're not careful, in the midst of this new abnormal, not only do we stack, and I I like that because I see people doing it all over all the time it's just one stack of uh, something on top of another stack on top of another stack and pretty soon it just emotionally keeps pushing down on us right so we're, we're not thinking uh we're not thinking resolution we're thinking what's wrong and then with this one I like this idea because from room to room you can play and this we got to have fun during this new time there's got to be some way to have fun with yourself and with the family. To keep the stress from overriding.
1: What else? Um, Another thing, this is a caution I want to give to people because I do a lot of speaking at safety conventions and worked in industry so I'm I'm very safety conscious. There's an awful lot of people out there doing things themselves. Now the thing to bear in mind is um, whether the coronavirus kills you or a hammer hitting you on the head kills you. As a nurse told me one time, dead is dead. So to everybody, (laughs) it's that, so don't forget, yeah, you wanna do some do it yourself stuff. Number one, don't do stuff you're not capable of doing. First of all, the frustration level will probably give you more stress. And don't forget to wear the safety glasses and don't forget to put the gloves on when you go to drive a nail because I don't think any of us want to end up in the emergency room for any reason whatsoever and be exposed to the virus. So when you're trying to do those things, remember, safety still has to come first. The coronavirus isn't our only threat. Yeah, I'm one of
0: these people, Mike, that uh, (laughs) I'm not allowed to touch anything that needs to be fixed, because that's not my skill. I mean, I can put a blind up and turn around and it falls down. I mean, yes. not my skill. And right. I, I can, I can hurt myself trying to help myself.
1: Yes. And th- this is what I'm encouraging. I mean, if you were a clutch before the virus, you still are. So, <laughs> <laughs> don't. I mean, you want to think positively and have positive self-talk, but, um, you know, stay within, you know, the brackets and also, uh, you know, we've got to take be careful of the kids' safety because they're playing in different ways without the supervision they used to have. So we want to be careful of that. Um, here's another exercise again to prevent the cabin fever. A lot of people are doing jigsaw puzzles, Richard. Well, you can sit there and do the jigsaw puzzle, but a fun way to make that more productive is to creatively come up with a story for the puzzle as you're building it and actually create uh, a whole community around that puzzle. So for instance, you could see a, uh, a picture of a girl at a pretty lake with her feet in the lake, lifting her dress to you know put her feet in the lake. Well, the story could be, well, she stepped in the mud before she got in, so she wanted to wash her feet off in the lake. And the reason she stepped in the mud is because she was picking flowers for her mother. And of all these different flowers that we show all over the canvas, you know, which flowers were they picking and how could you make a bouquet? I mean, there is an awful lot of downtime and people have to find creative fun ways to just simply do creative fun things to to cleanse their mind, if you will. I like the idea of creative fun time. I really like the idea
0: of creative fun time because... I think the more you can, uh, the more you can do this. The more you can turn life into a picture that we can create fun out of. Uh, the 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 more we turn time into positive, and the more, without realizing it, sometimes we actually release the stress in our life
1: yes as a stress expert you know you agree that as if we're doing something positive it immediately lowers the negative there is that yin and yang and um sometimes people just aren't aware of that that doing positive things and it's not doing you know sure you can work out more and do those kind of things but you just have to do some mental things that relieve that stress i agree what else would you say people um the last thing I want to share is just about change itself. And when when I talk to people about change and do change programs, um, you know, I'll ask, well, how long has change been around? Well, change has been around forever. And a lot of positive things come out of change. Sure, negative things do. But I can probably guarantee everybody sitting at home has had setbacks with their jobs before, has been disappointed with something their kids may have done before. Um, The world is not set up to remain constant. The only thing we do have constant is change. And, you know, one of the practical things to realize, change is hard. One of my favorite quotes about change was from Robert Kennedy, and he was asked about progress. And he says, progress is a wonderful word. He says, but progress involves change and change has its enemies. And that's true. So when we think about it now, the, you know, we've got changes, even for the people that have jobs and are being paid and haven't been furloughed, they're still looking at exactly what you uh, articulated at the beginning, Richard, what is this going to look like? when this is over, and will it ever be over, and what changes do I not even know are coming, but they will. So we have to put change into perspective that, and change is hard. And once we recognize this and share with other people, hey, look, I'm not mad at you, honey. We've been trapped together here for the last three weeks. I'm mad at the change, okay? I'm not mad at you. It, it, it's coming out that way, and I don't want it to be. Yeah, I have
0: found uh, I found in working with human behavior that the number one uh, negative that people that that comes to people from change is that it takes them out of their comfortable routines.
1: Yes. Yes, in indeed. And now people are starting. Uh, new routines that they didn't even know were gonna be routines. Anecdotally, I I took a walk yesterday and I walked across the street where it's a husband and wife, they have three daughters and the oldest one is six. So you can imagine, um, and of course they have a cat and a dog. So you can imagine just how zany it is over there all the time. And as I was walking up the sidewalk, I saw like a um, hopscotch board the mom or the dad had written all of the sight words, cat, dog, and, but, what, and it set it up like a hopscotch course. So it's like, okay, nobody told that mother, here's a great, or dad, here's a great way to teach your kids this and how to make it a game, but they figured out a way to do it. So we all are creative if we let ourselves be creative. And why not unleash that now, Richard? Well, and I
0: I, I totally agree with you because, you know, you can take a lot of the stress out of change if you see two things. It's a time to adapt and a time to improve. Absolutely. And this is what I find missing sometimes is people take change and they only look at it for what they think they're losing or what's going to go away rather than seeing this, you know, I've talked about doing this for years and now here's the opportunity to do it. So I have a time to adapt, to adjust and to improve. And if we can get that message across to people with change, we can take change from something negative to a part of the growth process to becoming a better person.
1: Precisely. And sharing that information, um, with the family, as you are going through it is having the discussion, we're all through change, you know, where can we use our creative talents here and, and to get through it. I agree a hundred percent Richard.
0: So one last thing before we, we end our, our discussion, yes. you and I are having, we know we're going to get to the other side of this. We, yes. know we will get through it. Um, what do you hope from your perspective, and from who you are and from your knowledge and for from what you feel. What do you hope we look like on the other side?
1: I hope we look like a global, not just in the United States. I think we, I hope we feel like a global organization that whatever the world can throw at us, we're all in this together we all have coping skills and sharing skills and charitable skills that when the time comes, people are willing to share it. And maybe we don't have to wait for another coronavirus to share those those skills and, and talents and and charity um as we have to have to do right now.
0: Well, I think if we can achieve that, uh, you know, if if we don't forget the message, we're all in this together. Yes. Because one of the things about our world today is that our world has really gotten small. I mean, I sat last week and, uh, had an interview, uh, gentleman reached out to me from India. Mm-hmm. Uh, in an interview with him, I've had another group reach out to me from Australia and, you know, to do an interview about what's going on. And if we can maintain this, that we're all yes. in this together, uh, you know, that could break a lot of barriers down. It could take a lot of walls down. Of course. Well, I, uh, I want to thank you very much. And, Mike, if, if someone would like to reach out to you, maybe you've said something that they have a question about, or maybe they would just like to contact you. How can they, how can they reach you?
1: Yes, my email is Mike, M-I-K-E, real easy, at Mike Harrigan. And that is spelled dot com. Mike at com. And yeah, if anybody has any questions about the loan and how I got it or whatever, feel free to, to reach out and be glad to help any way I can.
0: Yeah. I want to thank you for taking time <laughs> because we all have time right now, time that we've never thought we were going to have. I never thought that I would have this much downtime, Uh, but you know what? I see it as a gift because I'm getting a lot of things achieved uh, that I've wanted to achieve. And I really, really, really appreciate you taking this time to spend with me on uh, Let's Talk Human
1: Behavior. My pleasure, and thank you for having me on the show. All right.